0: Hi, and welcome to the first episode of Carpe Mundi's first ever capstone podcast series, Route of Passage. For those of you who are new to Carpe Mundi, we're a nonprofit organization in Portland, Oregon that supports low income college students through a year long mentorship program that includes an experiential education study abroad semester through our partner organization and podcast series sponsor, Carpe Diem Education. In more ways than one, this study abroad experience ends up being a rite of passage for our students.
1: Every year after their travels, our students take the opportunity to reflect on what they've learned throughout their journeys, culminating in a final capstone project where they share their stories at a live event. This year, that's not possible, but we're taking the students' voices online, coming to you over the airwaves. We're excited to share their stories statements, and conversations of growth and inspiration with you.
0: We're your hosts for today's episode. I am Rachel Anderholder. And I'm Carol John. And today's episode, our first ever, is themed, Finding a Vision. Rachel,
1: do you remember what you thought you were going to do when you started college?
0: I do. And guess what, Carol? It's not what I'm doing right now. I can tell you that. Actually, it wasn't until I studied abroad my senior year of college that I thought I might want to get into education. Um, by then, it was, it was kind of too late. So I'm glad that our students get to have that experience earlier on in their college career.
1: Yeah, it's incredible to hear some of the responses that our students have had to their study abroad experiences, especially this year. And in this episode, we're going to hear from four students that traveled to Guatemala who all encountered new ways of living that challenged their worldview and inspired them to make a change either in their education or in their future career goals, which is one of the main reasons why Carpe Mundi believes it's so important For all students to have access to international experiences that provide them the context to imagine a different life and alternatives in the first
0: place. Like I always like to say, Carol, you don't know what you don't know. (laughs) So with that, we're gonna go to our first student. Um, We're starting it off with Maritza Rodriguez-Sapien, who will tell us a story that
2: shares that money isn't everything. We were talking and it just came out. What are you doing this for? Are you getting paid enough for it? I didn't even mean for it to come out that way, but David put me right in my place. David works at the Chico Mendez Reforestation Project in a rural town named Pacha in Guatemala. I don't do it for the job. I do it because I think it's important, he said. My impact on this community and the next generation to come means a lot more to me than the check that comes after my shifts. Living in the house that we stayed in, I was surprised by the living conditions, but genuinely thought I could do it at first. But then there were the moments when I'd walk into a bedroom and there were spiders all over the floor and I had to shout out for another cohort to come in and help me. Or when I got super sick and all I wanted was a warm shower and to eat well and sleep well. But the water was cold and the room was cold and finding medicine anywhere was nearly impossible. Pretty quickly by looking at the kitchen and the rest of the living conditions of the house, I made the observation that this is probably why I got sick. But maybe all of these things were not the priority which made me wonder why someone like David would want this how can your job justify this quality of life and after taking a couple steps back to fully soak it in i had a sort of realization of who am i to say that sure they didn't care much about the modernization of what was underneath their roof or even how clean their kitchen was for example maybe what i considered standard was not categorized under necessities for them David genuinely cares about his impact in reforestation Similarly to a lot of other people in the same community. Their priorities include environmental sustainability and maximizing the utility of as much as possible, with a focus in prioritizing family and love, embracing their traditional culture. At some point, I thought, maybe this is all they know and can get for themselves, which is when I remembered a moment at the beginning of our trip, when a couple of the girls from the cohort and I went on a stroll around the city and found a stationery store near a homestay in the city of Chela. I walked in and after grabbing a couple of things that I needed, I noticed that the cashier happened to look different from everyone else. This man, I learned, was American and in fact owned the store with his Guatemalan wife. Being the curious extrovert that I am, I asked about his journey to settling down in this country. A grown man, raised and accustomed to Colorado life, I found out, in what I presumed would most likely be an average-sized house with a stable occupation and all of the protection that comes from living under the United States Constitution. The recurring question surfaced. What would drive you to want to give that up? What convinced you to pick up and leave the States for this? The middle-aged man snickered at my questions. My wife asked me the same thing. And to be honest with you, I fell in love with this part of the world immediately after visiting. My kids live in the States, but I happened to reach a surreal point in my pursuit of happiness when I got to know this country and its people for who they are. This man never quite elaborated on what this meant for him. Exactly. But by simply conversating, I could see the vibrant aura radiating around him, and by the end of the conversation, could feel it. It all began to connect. The question of what makes an individual truly happy started to be answered for me. When I arrived back in the States, even my mom had noticed that shift in me. She said she always knew from way before setting off to Central America that it wasn't going to be a career within the legal justice system that I would pursue, and always knew that I would work in contributing to my community, even if the pay wasn't necessarily convincing me. She also did not hesitate to make sure to throw in the point that whenever we used to have these conversations, I would get frustrated and end it, although I don't particularly remember it that way. So maybe my mom was right all along, because I do believe there's an alternative worldview where the priority isn't money, and that even if society doesn't promote this idea, it's okay to find an occupation or passion that makes me happy, allowing room for opportunity to continuously impact the community for the better. In this pandemic, in time of crisis, I feel as though I should be attracted to the office jobs that would make me money, but I think it's okay to say no to those. Believing doesn't make the tension disappear. There's still a push and a pull, and even times when I feel frustrated with myself for not choosing what seems like the smart and sensible choice. And maybe that's the beauty of it. Every time that I get frustrated and begin to question my decisions, it becomes an opportunity to reevaluate and assure myself of what I believe. All these questions swirl through my head. I remember a set of questions at the end of a poem that Rachel shared with us by Mary Oliver at the end of our send-off ceremony. The tension in the questions are an opportunity to decide what it is that I still believe. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me, what is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? Thanks, Maritza.
1: We can't wait to see all the incredible things you're going to accomplish for your community, starting by interning with Carpe Mundi this summer. Yay! Listen out for Maritza, who may be featured as a future podcast host.
0: Next up, we have Ismael Jaimez Riquelme, who will be talking to his mentor, Hansel Borden, and they're having a conversation about his week in San Juan La Laguna, about the value of cultural immersion as a learning experience. So Ish and Hansel, take it away.
3: Hey Ish, I'm excited to hear about all your, your travels. Um, yeah. Can you tell me about the time on your travels to Guatemala where you felt the most engaged and, and where you learned the most in, during your journey?
4: i have to say for that time, it would probably be in San Juan. In San Juan, that was where I felt most like engaged with my family. I felt connected with them and their kids. My teacher Rafael was actually the teacher that I felt most like, I don't know, that we got to know each other on a personal level and teacher to student kind of level, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: What made you feel so connected to your homestay family? You know, what did you do that, why were they so important to you?
4: Well, to start off, I got along with their kids right off the bat. Um, I remember the first time that I met Joshua, their older their older kid. He was like, "Oh, I like your Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sticker," because there was a sticker on my water bottle. And from then, we talked about cartoons, and that led to soccer, and it was very like felt like um, heartwarming to me being able to like have that conversation, not be super shy or being very nervous around them. Same with their younger kid Hans. We got along very well and sometimes when the other students would go out and hang out with the other students traveling, sometimes I would stay like another five, ten minutes and hang out with the kids. The our home state parents, we were always asked like, how was your day? What are you guys planning to do tomorrow? Is there anything that we can do for you guys to prepare? Why is it that you guys wanted to come travel? And we had a very engaging conversation. Our homestay dad was in like a community group helping to bring cleaner water for different communities around Guatemala. And our homestay mom was a social worker. They would like tell us about things going on and we learned a lot from them. On top of that, they took us to a really awesome soccer game and they have like a cheer group that cheers on the soccer team and they have different chants. And that was really awesome that we got to go for a night and they were throwing fireworks and a lot of smoke bombs that went off the team colors. And that was really cool. So, yeah.
3: Awesome, sounds like you got to be part of the family and feel yeah, like Guatemalan for a week or so. Yeah. Nice. Um, you mentioned Rafael, your Spanish teacher. Um, what made your relationship with, with Rafael um, so meaningful?
4: Well, starting off each morning, I was surprised because we would start off our mornings with a cup of coffee and starting off with short, funny stories that would happen to us, I guess, kids. Even though I'm not a coffee person, I would like drink coffee every morning with them. (laughs) We just go off of small stories like the reason as to why I got a scar on my forehead when I ran into a pole in sixth grade. And then he just had a very warm and reassuring presence to him. He was very mellow. He wasn't really forceful on learning specific things. It felt like I had very organic conversations with him, and that made the learning much more engaging for me. He opened up quite a lot, actually about his personal life relationships personal stories and in a way sharing what he has gone through taught me to like go after and pursue the things that i believe in even if it might go against beliefs with my own family maybe like religiously He would practice a lot of his indigenous culture practices, and the majority of his family is Catholic, so they look down on him for doing that. But he said that he takes those practices to the heart, and they mean a lot to him, so he keeps doing them.
3: Um, And did you learn a lot about his his language and culture, his indigenous language and culture? And if so,
4: was that really important to learn? Yeah, actually I was very fortunate and since I am Spanish speaker, Spanish is my first language. We were able to move on from Spanish and he was teaching me the language Sutugil, which is one of the indigenous languages there. And he taught me short phrases like Utmaldiosh, which is gracias. I was able to practice enough to where I gave our graduation speech in Sudahil, then I moved on to Spanish, and then I finished up in, in English. So it was like a very meaningful moment for me, and I'm sure it was for him as well.
3: So how has this whole experience in San Juan, living with a family and learning an indigenous language, um, how has that shaped the way that you think about your education and how you want to engage in your education moving forward now that you're back home and not, not still in Guatemala, unfortunately?
4: Well, I'd say that I would want to have a lot more experiential learning, more hands-on, more one-on-one conversations with a program that I got into actually while I was in Guatemala. I had my interview for this program in Guatemala. I was accepted into the Build Exito program, which goes over how to conduct research. And for the first year, they just go over the basics. Second year, they place you in the lab, whether it's with the professor at PSU or scientists at OHSU. For the first year, conduct research with them, and for your senior year, conduct your own research. And I was looking to find research on ADHD. I'm not sure on like the specifics, but I'm sure that this program is gonna help me find that experiential learning that I'm looking for. And when it comes to more one-on-one small group settings i tend to be more outspoken in those settings and i can get a lot more input and receive a lot more feedback in my opinion that way Whether it's engaging more with tutors or getting into small study groups whatever it might be like just being in a small community where i feel like i can give my full opinion and yeah sure, <laughs> yeah
3: Awesome. Well, I'm glad that you got to have this experience and that that taught you how you how you learn best. And hopefully you still have some relationships with, with your homestay family and with Rafael.
4: Yeah, of so.
0: What an amazing week. Thank you, Ish. What, uh, it's so great to hear about diving into the rich blend of Mayan and Mestizo Guatemalan culture.
1: We'll have more stories for you after a word from our sponsors.
0: Okay, I'm here today with Anne Kenning, Executive Director of Enrollment and Operations for Carpe Diem Education. Carpe Diem Education is the series sponsor of our podcast and is also Carpe Mundi's for-profit sister organization. Um, without Carpe Diem, Carpe Mundi just really wouldn't be possible. Carpe Diem donates up to uh, $150,000 a year to Carpe Mundi, and they make the international travel experience possible for all of our students. So all of the stories that you've been hearing on this podcast today and in the future would not be possible if it weren't for Carpe Diem. So Anne, thank you so much for your support and thanks for being here today. Um, I've got a couple questions for you. And the first one is, um, why is it important to Carpe Diem to support Carpe Mundi students? Yeah,
5: thanks for having me, Rachel. Um, really the relationship with, between Carpe Diem and Carpe Mundi is mutually beneficial. Um, Carpe Diem is committed to supporting the mission of Carpe Mundi because we really believe that international education should be accessible to students of all backgrounds. Um, Carpe and Mundi students bring a diversity of experiences and perspective to our programs, and our semesters just wouldn't be the same without their participation.
0: That is awesome. So in general, why do you think it's important to increase access to study abroad and gap year opportunities for all students?
5: Yeah, as many of your listeners might be aware, the gap year and study abroad industries are historically pretty privileged spaces. Um, We believe that international travel and education is just needed now more than ever to create more globally aware leaders for the next generation. Um, We also acknowledge that scholarships aren't the only answer to making international travel a reality for students of all backgrounds and experiences. Um, Through Carpe Mundi, students have the opportunity to go through a year-long mentorship program that really prepares them for the experiences they'll have when traveling with Carpe PM. Um, And it also helps them figure out how they're going to carry this experience forward once they're home from their Carpe Diem program. Um, Carpe Mundi also really empowers students to feel confident and prepared as they board the plane to begin um, their travels with us.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And one last quick question for you. If folks out there want to learn more about Carpe Diem or if they might know a student that could be interested in uh, a gap year through Carpe Diem in the future, um, where can they learn more about you?
5: Sure. If people want to learn more about our programs, just head to our website. It's carpe diem um, And you'll find lots of information there. Um, and we're happy to share more.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Anne, and for all that you do for Carpe Mundi students and, and for making all of this possible. You're welcome. A big thank you as well to Mark Schuessler for sponsoring this specific Finding a Vision episode. Next
1: up, we have a special treat for all of our Spanish speakers out there, or if you're like me, Spanish understanders who are working on the speaking part. Thank you, Oscar, for always cheering me on. Oscar Moreno Lul shares a story in his native language of Spanish about how he found the vision for building his life while in Guatemala. We invite you to listen and follow along with the English translation on our episode page.
6: Tengan muy muy buena tarde, todos los que me están escuchando. Um, en la tarde de hoy me gustaría me gustaría compartir con ustedes una historia y es qué hacer con mi vida, una interrogante que me había he estado intrigando por mucho tiempo y hasta hace algunos meses pude resolverla. Pero ustedes se estarán preguntando, ¿Quién eres tú? ¿Qué estás haciendo? Mi nombre es Oscar Moreno Lule. Yo nací en San Francisco, California, pero cuando tenía menos de un año me mudé a México. En México pasé la mayor parte de mi vida y estudié todas mis... Desde el kinder, primaria, secundaria y preparatoria. Y ya cuando... Estaba en mi segundo año de preparatoria, mis papás empezaron a, a hacerse idea de cómo sería la vida si nos mudáramos para Estados Unidos. Entonces, esa idea se volvió realidad en menos de seis meses. Y nos vinimos para Estados Unidos buscando nuevas oportunidades, más dinero, otro lenguaje, una mejor vida. Eh, el sueño americano, básicamente, que gracias a Dios, pues, lo hemos logrado. Estudiando la prepa en México... Yo no tenía claro qué quería estudiar, estaba estudiando ingenierías, después este no me gustó ingenierías, cambié a derecho y cuando estaba estudiando de derecho en la preparatoria de México, tuve una excursión al Palacio de Gobierno. Esta, esta excursión al Palacio de Gobierno me hizo darme cuenta de muchas cosas que me hicieron abrir los ojos. Cuando entré al, a los pasillos de este edificio que estaba estaba gigante, enorme, un montón de, de cuartos, un montón de oficinas, baños por donde sea, personas caminando, pero hubo varias cosas que me llamaron la atención. De todas esas personas que estaban ahí trabajando con sus trajes, con su cara impecable, como si nada pasara, ninguno de ellos se veía completamente happy, ninguno se veía completamente feliz, Todos tenían una cara a los que parecía que no les gustaba su trabajo. Y me dije a mí mismo, si yo voy a trabajar en algo, voy a trabajar en algo que me guste. En algo en lo que yo me divierta, en algo en lo que yo pueda vivir y ser feliz. Entonces, desde ese día he tenido la incógnita, he tenido esa pregunta en mi ser de cómo sería, qué pasaría si encuentro una carrera que pueda generar dinero para mí que pueda ayudar a las personas y que pueda hacer un impacto en el medio ambiente. Entonces, he tenido varios trabajos como construcción, he trabajado de limpiaplatos, he trabajado de bastantes cosas, pero cuando fui a Guatemala conocí una rama de la agricultura a la que pues se me hizo muy interesante, se me hizo muy interesante la manera en que trabaja, cómo es lo que porta, cómo enseña a las personas, cómo trabaja con la naturaleza en vez de trabajar en contra de la naturaleza. Entonces, este, cuando fui a este viaje en Carpemundi, empecé a ver cómo este sistema de permacultura ayudaba al, al, al suelo, ayudaba a las personas, ayudaba a todos los insectos, era un sistema en el que todos éramos beneficiados. Los dueños de este lugar se llamaban Shad, un americano, una persona americana que era muy buena gente, nos trató muy bien y fue una de mis inspiraciones para decidir estudiar este esta carrera. El otro muchacho que tenía su propia granja también es un irlandés, su nombre era Neo. Ellos dos Eh, tenían la vida que querían. Ellos dos se levantaban a la hora que querían, iban a hacer del baño, llegaban a trabajar a la hora que querían. Literalmente su vida era su granja. Ellos tenían la vida que yo siempre había querido. Tenían su esposa, sus hijos, sus propios horarios. No tenían un jefe a quien darle cuentas. estos dos personas, en una ocasión llegamos a ir al río llegamos a ir a este río que que después se convirtió en un lago, era el lago de Atitlán, y cuando llegamos ahí, se veía todo bien bonito, estaba el atardecer, estaba la agua bien calientita, tibia, estaba tibia el agua, el cielo azul, todo muy bonito, entonces de pronto este irlandés, el señor Neo, se metió al agua, y fue como que, oh pues si se mete al agua él, pues porque yo no, entonces ahí voy yo también, y que me meto al agua con él, y ya cuando estábamos muy adentro en el lago, empezamos a platicar y él me contó, me contó una historia, como él cuando era joven se sentía atrapado en el sistema se sentía atrapado en entre las cuentas, se sentía atrapado entre levantarse, e ir a trabajar regresar a casa, a dormir, para levantarse otra vez e ir a trabajar se cansó tanto del sistema que habló con su familia, habló con sus papás ...en un acto de valentía, porque eso fue muy valiente a mi punto de vista... ...les dijo que él no se sentía a gusto con su vida... ...les comentó cómo le gustaría a él dedicar su vida a algo más importante... ...que sea simplemente el dinero... ...entonces desde ese momento sus papás le dieron la bendición... ...y le dijeron está bien, tú tienes la libertad de hacer lo que tú quieras... ...y yo tuve tanta empatía con ese momento... ...yo sentí como que hasta cierto punto... A mí me gustaría hablar con mis papás y decirles, a mí me gustaría hacer lo mismo que ustedes están haciendo. Me gustaría tener mi propia granja, pero en México. Y pues ese es mi sueño, algún día acabar de estudiar esta rama de la agricultura, que es permacultura. Algún día voy a estudiar lo suficiente para poder tener mi propio lugar, mi propia granja en México. Y disfrutar de, la, de las maravillas de la naturaleza, y disfrutar de las maravillas del suelo, y disfrutar de las maravillas de la vida.
0: For those of you who weren't able to follow along with Oscar's story, Oscar told us about while growing up in Mexico on a field trip he took that he saw a bunch of really unhappy workers and he couldn't imagine um, doing a life behind a screen without feeling miserable. So he spent many years of high school working different jobs and exploring different career paths without feeling really excited about any of them. So while in Guatemala, Oscar met Shad and Neo of Atitlan Organics and found a passion for permaculture and working the land in a way that benefits everyone and everything. And he's now inspired to buy some land in Mexico and create his own permaculture farm and community center so he can teach and inspire others.
1: Oscar, we cannot wait to come and visit your permaculture farm and stay in your cob house in Mexico. To finish out our episode today, we're actually going to hear from Shad himself. We're going to take you to Atiflan Organics where one of our students, Angie Ramirez, has a conversation with Shad about how she wasn't so inspired by farming, but was really inspired by Shad's entrepreneurial spirit.
7: So when we had the meeting, when you were talking about how you started it, being an entrepreneur in general, it like, that's what sparked something in me, because that is what I wanted to do. The fact that I can see someone with so much drive, no matter how difficult and how different it is, they still kept going. One of the little things that like when I got back home really stood out to me was when you had mentioned us walking up to your farm every day. The very first day you brought it up, you said, it's going to get easier when we walk up to your farm. It never got easier, but we got it done. We got it done at the end of the day, you know? So I'm like, oh my, god, I can kind of see where, like, yes, like things are always going to be hard and you're not going to want to do it but at the end point, it was beautiful to see your farm and to see what you had to show us, you know what I mean? Like there was so much more that we had to learn at the other side. So that's what I took from that walk every morning. (laughs) And that's why I chose at the organics, that's what I wanted to talk about today because I wasn't just only learning about permaculture or agriculture and farming. I was also learning what it is to be a leader and what it is to be a good entrepreneur and learning from that because after that conversation we had, I had a new perspective on everything and I didn't have a passion yet before the trip and like I wouldn't necessarily say like my passion is farming because you know of course I'm not much of the farming girl but my passion now is being, being my own entrepreneur. So I want to have my own business and I want to work hard to be able to help others as well. It was just a really, it was, it was a good feeling to know that like I have a little spark in me that is motivated to learn more to
8: be an entrepreneur. Uh, that's really great to hear everything. I'm like blushing uh, uh, and it's just <laughs> it's super nice just to feel that, that uh, there was some impact for you. And uh, I remember, you know, all that stuff. I remember the walk uh, every morning, and it's good to revisit that. And, you know, I will say, it, it actually really excites me that uh, the entrepreneurship was the piece that really grabbed you.
6: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, that was my draw to farming was actually the element of, of being a small business owner. And I think the beauty of entrepreneurship is you can take kind of any passion and then make a business around it and yeah uh so i you may have some questions but i'll just say one more thing before you know so for me the best part of of entrepreneurship is building a great team as the kind of the leader it's your role to set the culture of the of the team and how people work together how they interact there's so many entrepreneurship is awesome it touches so many topics uh but yeah uh, i'll leave it there
7: yeah I want to ask how did you get started with everything like I know you said you started with like an office job and you hated it and everything but like when you first got to Guatemala you know when you were beginning like what risk did you feel like you took did you ever have that like okay what do I do what do I do next or did you always have something in mind
8: um yeah uh so a couple of things uh, it ties in this uh, as you were talking at the beginning i, I had kind of some p- thoughts pop into my head you know i went to university i i did the, you know i was kind of on on a path that would take me you know to like a white collar job system. but there was this point right right at, after graduating college it was the day after my graduation and my mom had packed we had packed all my stuff in my mom's car and uh, she left and i went into my empty apartment and i just like cried i was like What am I gonna do now? Like I didn't have a job, I didn't know, I just didn't know, I had no idea. And then I did get a job and I worked there for two years. So the first risk was like when I left my job and my idea was to go work on my great uncle's farm, you know, and I was gonna make $10 an hour and just like learn the ropes. And then it was actually my my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, said, you know, let's travel, let's quit and let's travel. And at that point, I had known like my passion was farming, but I didn't, wasn't really doing much with it. And then, yeah, leaving the country and living abroad is, is in its own way a risk, I would say. Uh, and I always had this vision, worst case, I just have to go home and start fresh again. And it's, it's not that bad. So, you know, when I'm taking the risks, I kind of think of like, what's the worst case scenario? So there was many times where I said, what do I do next? Like, you know, even today, I'm like, what do I do next? Uh, (laughs) And as we moved to Guatemala, we first had an opportunity, like kind of the first night to look after a backpack as possible. And we ended up doing that for like two years. And then at the end of that, we were like, maybe we'll buy a little piece of land as we bought this little piece of land. But then even then, like, at every step there's always the question of like should we do something different oh is this good are we you know there's always the doubt but it was just kind of like keep focusing and i may have said this to you guys but giving yourself your 20s to take the risk you know uh your 20s is the time where you don't have as much responsibility so to speak you can take a risk and and you have a you know that's the a good goal to like work within like If it doesn't happen by the time I'm 30, I'll change my path. Yeah. And that kind of helped me stay because it was discouraging. There was times where I was like, oh, should I just go back to New Jersey now? But little by little, it just kept chipping away. Yeah.
7: I remember you saying that a lot in your lecture because I think like me being my age, I feel like there's such a rush to do things and be at a certain point in my life. And that's where I feel like I got really discouraged because being, I was almost 20 and I was like, I still don't know what I want to major in when I get back home. When I transfer over to university, I still don't know what I want to do. I think that was like something that was really scary. So you saying, this is the time to make mistakes. And I think for me, it was always hard for me to accept that because I hate making mistakes. I, Cause I feel like that's like a discouragement, but I, it's trial and error for everything. So, just remembering that was something that was so hard for me to do. You saying that, I was like, okay, fine. Well, like, where he's at now. He's doing very well. And, like, I just, I feel like I have to, like, remind myself, like, there's no rush to these things. You know, everything will take time, no matter what. So, I remember you saying that in your lecture as well. uh, That was something that I need to start remembering more often. Yeah. And I think I keep that in mind a lot. When I came back from Guatemala, I, I really reminisced on my time at Atlanta because I'm excited for it. gaining more knowledge, especially like from people like you or just reading a book. Like I've never listened to a podcast before, and I did that, and it was awesome. <laughs> and it's just like trying new things that are going to benefit you, and I, I'm excited for the future goals. I just wanted to say thank you, especially just like from all the knowledge and everything that you taught us. I really appreciate it, and I cherish it for sure
8: thank you. Uh, thank you, Angie.
0: You have a great rest yeah. of your day. Thank you so much to Shad and Angie for sharing your visions and wisdom with us. Well, that wraps it up for today's episode. Stay tuned for episode two next week. Thank you again so much to Carpe Diem Education for making these experiences possible for our students and for the amazing educators that inspired our students at Chico Mendez, Zen Juan Spanish School, and Atitlan Organics.
1: Thank you also to Mark Schusler for generously sponsoring this episode. Shout out to Kevin McLeod for his tune called Quasi-Motion, giving us the feeling that we're going somewhere even though we're stuck at home.
0: And a final thank you to Maritza, Ish, Oscar, and Angie for sharing their experiences with us. We look forward to sharing more stories and conversations with you next week. Be sure to tune in. Talk to you then. Are you sure you don't want to like push another button? <laughs> but before you go, like every good trip, here's a little travel delay. Ooh, we should have done that. What is that? The money sound? Oh,
1: oh yeah. Good thing you just did it right now. Uh, I'll fit I'll it in. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, I'm stopping.